Hi, I'm Lemon Barclay. Welcome to the Broken Promise podcast. This is the fourth of four podcasts adapted from the novel Broken Promise. In the second part, David had gone to visit his cousin Marla to take her some food and some things that his mother wanted him to drop by. But he was very surprised to find Marla looking after a baby. This, 10 months after Marla herself had lost a child. Marla, I'm serious, you need to talk to me here. I should put him down for a nap, she said, cradling the baby in her arms, lightly touching the nipple of the baby bottle to his lips. I think he's had all he's going to have for now. She set the bottle on the bedside table. The baby, eyes closed, made soft gurgling noises of contentment. He wasn't like this at first, Marla said. He cried a lot yesterday, making strange and all. I was going to ask why a baby who she would have me believe had been with her for months would make strange, but I let it pass. She continued, I sat with him all night, and we've made a strong bond, the two of us. She gave a weak laugh. I must look a fright. I haven't had a shower this morning or put on my makeup or anything. Last night, I put him down for his sleep once he stopped crying and ran out the store to get a few things. I know I shouldn't have left him alone, but there was no one I felt I could call, not just yet, and I was desperate for supplies. The angel only brought a few things. Who else knows about Matthew, I asked. Does Aunt Agnes, does does your mother know? I haven't told her the good news yet. It all happened pretty quickly. The inconsistencies persisted. How quickly, I asked. Marla, her eyes still on the baby, said, Okay, I haven't exactly had Matthew for ten full months. Yesterday, late in the afternoon, around the time Dr. Phil comes on, I was doing some reviews for an air conditioning company in in, in Illinois when the doorbell rang. Who was it? A weak smile. I told you, the angel. Tell me about this angel, I said. Well, okay, she wasn't a real angel, but it's hard not to think of her that way. It was a woman? That's right. The mother? Marla looked at me sharply. I'm the mother now. Okay, I said, but up until the moment she gave you Matthew, she was the mother? Hesitantly, as though unwilling to make the admission, she said, maybe. What did she look like? How did she seem? Was she injured? Did you see any blood? Was there blood on her hand? Marla shook her head slowly. You know, I'm not good with faces, David, but she was very nice, this woman, all dressed in white. That's why when I picture her, all I see is an angel. Well, did she say who she was? Did she give you her name? Did she leave any way for you to connect with her, to contact her? No. Well, you didn't ask? You didn't think it was strange? A woman just comes to your door and hands you a baby? Well, she was in a hurry, Marla said. She said she had to go. Her voice drifted off. She put Matthew in the middle of the bed and surrounded him with pillows, creating a kind of berm around him. Until I get a crib, I I think I'll have to do this. I don't want him rolling off the bed and hitting the floor. Would you be able to help me with that, getting a crib? I don't want to get a used crib at a second-hand shop or an antique store because all kinds of safety improvements have been made on them. I saw this thing on TV once where you could make the side of the crib go up and down and this one dropped by accident on the baby's neck. She trembled. I don't want anything like that. Of course not, I said. So was that something you could help me with, getting a crib? I imagine so, but there are a few things we should sort out first. 
Marla wasn't paying much attention to me. I wondered whether she was on any kind of medication, whether that would explain her apparent detachment from reality. If she'd been seeing a psychiatrist since losing her baby and had been prescribed anything to deal with depression or anxiety, I wasn't aware of it. Maybe she wasn't on anything, and this was just the way she'd been since giving birth to a lifeless child. Dad had more or less nailed it in his own tactless way when he'd said she'd gone a bit crackers. I'd only heard bits and pieces of the story, how Marla's mother, Agnes, who way back in her 20s had been a midwife before becoming a nurse, had been there at her side, along with the family physician, a doctor named Sturgis, if I remembered right. Mom had talked about their sense of horror when they realized something was wrong, how Marla had been able to hold the child briefly before it had to be taken away, how it had been a girl. Such a sad, sad thing, Mom said whenever her niece crossed her mind. It did something to her, something just snapped. That's, that's what I think happened. And where was the father? Where was he? Did he help her through all of this? No, not one bit. Did the police have any reports of a missing baby now, I wonder? If the paper were still in existence, if I still carried around press credentials, I'd just call headquarters, ask if they'd heard anything. But for a private citizen, it was a little trickier. Did I want to alert the authorities to anything before I'd found out what exactly was going on? It was possible Marla really was babysitting for someone, but had allowed some kind of fantasy to envelop her. I mean, an angel coming to the door? Marla, did you, did you hear me? There are things we need to sort out. What things, Marla said. I decided to play along as if this were a normal situation we were dealing with. Well, you know, I'm sure you want everything to be legal and above board, so if Matthew is going to be yours, there will be some papers to sign, legal matters to resolve. I don't think that's necessary, she said. When he gets older, like when he goes to school, or even older than that, and has to get a driver's license or something, I'll just tell them I lost his birth certificate, that I can't find it. They'll just have to deal with that. It doesn't work that way, Marla. The town keeps records, too. We still need to know who bore this child, like medical history. You need to know about his real mother and father, what diseases or conditions they might have. Why don't you want me to be happy, David? Don't you think after all I've been through, I deserve some happiness? I didn't know what to say, but it turned out I didn't have to come up with something. Marla said, I'm going to freshen up. Now that you're here, I can have a shower, put on some clean clothes. I was thinking Matthew and I would go out and get a few things. This stroller behind the door, I said, did you buy that yesterday? No, the angel brought that, she said. Did your mom send over some more goodies for me? She did, I said. I'll put everything into the freezer for you. Thanks, she said. I won't be long. She slipped into the bathroom and closed the door. I took a quick look at the child, saw that he was sleeping peacefully and unlikely to roll out of his pillow prison, and then went to the living room to check out the stroller. It was in the folded position, making it easy to drop into a car trunk or stow away in a closet. On the right handle were more smudges that looked like the one I had seen on the door jam. I opened up the contraption, tapped a small lever with my foot to make sure it was locked into position. The stroller had seen some use. The once black rubber wheels were rough with wear. Stale, dried Cheerios were stuck in the crevices of the seat pad. A small, zippered pouch was attached to the back. I opened it, reached inside. 
I found three rattles, a small wooden car with thick wooden wheels, a flyer for a store that sold baby supplies, a half-full package of pre-dampened wipes, and some tissues. Something about the flyer caught my eye, a few words printed on one side on a label. It was an address. This was not a general piece of junk mail, but a targeted flyer for Baby Makes Three, a Promise Falls clothing store for infants. And even more important, the label had a name attached to the address. Rosemary Gaynor. She lived at 375 Breckenwood Drive. I knew the street. It was in an upscale neighborhood, certainly nicer than Marla's, a couple of miles from here. I got out my cell, tapped on the app that would allow me to find a number for the Gaynor household. But once I had it under my thumb, I considered whether making the call was the smartest thing to do. Maybe it made more sense to go over there. I heard water running in the bathroom, the shower. The phone still in my hand, I called home. David, said Mom. Something's happened here at Marla's, I told her. Did you give her the chili? No, I mean, uh, yeah, I brought it, but Mom, there's a baby here. What? said Mom. She says it's hers. She says some woman came to the door and just gave it to her. But the story, it's just not holding water, Mom. I mean, I'm starting to wonder, I hate to say this, but I'm wondering, God, this sounds totally crazy, but I'm wondering if she snatched this kid from someone. Oh no, Mom said. Not again.